Well, happy 4th of July if you're listening to this on July 4th, 2023. On this episode of the Presbyterian Reformed Churchman, rather than have an interview, and I know you really like the interviews, I, I certainly enjoy them, but I thought I would do a reading, a reading of something that is important to the PCA. It's sort of known symbolically as our Declaration of Independence, but it is called a message to all churches. And you can see here, it's a document that kind of even looks like the Declaration of Independence. Lots of signatures on there from our founders. And the, the top of it says, a message to all churches of Jesus Christ throughout the world from the General Assembly of the National Presbyterian Church. And so that might be news to you that in 1973, December of 1973, we were founded as the National Presbyterian Church, and that was changed in the next year, in 1974. Uh, the reason I want to do this is because being the 4th of July and thinking of our, our sort of freedoms and declaration of, again, independence, I thought that would be good as our founders 50 years ago declared independence from the PCUS, which had gone liberal, to form this new denomination. And just hearing the founders' stories, uh, whether it's uh, a friend of this podcast, Dr. O. Palmer Robertson, or the, the panel of four men on uh, during the General Assembly, of which Dr. Robertson was one of them, these men were signers of that, I believe. And they just told us what it was like those those days leading up to and and following the founding of, of the PCA. It's a good reminder to us. Additionally, there's an overture that we just approved that um, reaffirmed this. I'm trying to see if I have it pulled up on my computer. Uh, I do. Overture 28 from Calvary Presbytery. And so you could see it's Overture 28 from Calvary Presbytery. Declare message to all nations, a faithful expression of biblical polity shaping the PCA. I'm still confused on why it's called a message to all nations when it's a message to all churches, but maybe there's, I'm just missing something uh, historic in that. But this overture from Calvary Presbytery says, whereas it is good for the PCA to remember the reasons for its founding, and there is no important statement than the 1973 message to all churches of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And whereas the Presbyterian Church in America has taken her place among the family of churches of the Lord Jesus Christ, we take this opportunity to address all churches by way of a testimony and to renew our original message to all churches as amended on the 50th anniversary of its adoption. But what was voted on is the therefores. Therefore, be it resolved that the 50th General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in America declare the message to all nations, a faithful expression of biblical polity, which shaped the founding of the PCA in 1973. And therefore, the General Assembly directs its stated clerk to send this letter to the Presbyterian Church in the USA via its stated clerk as a communication from a loving daughter to a prodigal mother. And so this was approved at this General Assembly. And uh, I'm going to, to read it, do a reading of it. Now, by the way, the, the reason I'm doing this is not because I don't have good guests to interview. On the contrary, I have an awesome guest that I've already interviewed, Ruling Elder Matt Fender. So I won't leave you in suspense, but you will have to be in suspense for the interview. That will be launched next week. And uh, if you know Matt from General Assembly or from anywhere in the denomination, he is actually uh, quite a fun guy 
serious guy, but a fun guy, and the interview will reflect that. So now to read this again, this message to all churches, and just what I want you to hear, and it might I hope I'm not a boring reader in that regard, but is how relevant it is for today. And I'm not trying to be alarmist and saying the PCA is going down the road of the PCUS. I'm not saying that at all. Little by little, little parts of it do creep in, and we want to be on guard for that. Again, I'm not saying the PCA is headed that direction at all. I'm very, uh, very encouraged, not only at the direction of the PCA, but the state of the PCA. And I thank God for our great, uh, for this great denomination. And so, there it is. I'm going to try to pull it up. So if you're watching this, you can read along with me. The heading, A Message to All Churches of Jesus Christ Throughout the World from the General Assembly of the National Presbyterian Church. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied upon you. As the National Presbyterian Church takes her place among the family of churches of the Lord Jesus Christ, we take this opportunity to address all churches by way of a testimony. We gather as a true branch of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. We affirm our allegiance to him as the sole head of the church and the sole lawgiver of Zion. We remember that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. The constituency of this new denomination, for the most part, having separated themselves from the Presbyterian Church in the United States, the decision to separate has come only after long years of struggle and heartache on the part of many of us to return the church to purity of faith and practice. Principle and conviction entered into that decision, reached only after much soul-searching and earnest prayer. We have reluctantly accepted the necessity of separation, deeming loyalty to Christ to take precedence over our relationship to any earthly institution, even to a visible branch of the Church of Christ. In much prayer and with great sorrow and mourning, we have concluded that to practice the principle of purity in the church visible, we must pay the price of separation. We desire to elaborate upon those principles and convictions that have brought us to that decision. We have convinced, we are convinced that our former denomination as a whole and in its leadership no longer holds those views regarding the nature and mission of the church, which we accept as both true and essential. When we judge that there was no human remedy for this situation and in the absence of evidence that God would intervene, we were compelled to raise a new banner bearing the historic, scriptural faith of our forefathers. <clears throat> First, we declare the basis of the authority for the church. According to the Christian Bible, the Bible is the word of God written and carries the authority of its divine author. We believe the Bible itself asserts that it has been given by inspiration, or more literally, has been given God-breathed, 2 Timothy 3.16. No prophecy ever came by the will of man, but by but men spake from God, being moved by the Holy Spirit, 2 Peter 1.21. We declare, therefore, that the Bible is the very word of God, so inspired in the whole and in all its parts, as in the original autographs, to be the inerrant word of God. It is therefore the only infallible and all-sufficient rule of faith and practice. This was the position of the founding fathers of the Presbyterian Church in the United States. We affirm with them in their address to all churches the application of this principle to the church and her mission. And they're quoting now from that document from the PCUS's founding. Let it be distinctly borne in mind that the only rule of judgment is the written word of God. 
The Church knows nothing of the intuitions of reason or the deductions of philosophy except those reproduced in the sacred canon. She has a positive constitution in the Holy Scriptures and has no right to utter a single syllable upon any subject except as that the Lord puts words in her mouth. She is founded, in other words, upon express revelation. Her creed is an authoritative testimony of God and not speculation, and what she proclaims she must proclaim with the infallible certitude of faith, and not with the hesitating assent of an opinion. They go on to write, We have called ourselves continuing Presbyterians because we seek to continue the faith of the founding fathers of that church. Deviations in doctrine and practice from historic Presbyterian positions as evident in the Presbyterian Church in the United States result from accepting other sources of authority and from making them coordinate or superior to the divine word. A diluted theology, a gospel tending toward humanism, an unbiblical view of marriage and divorce, the ordination of women, financing of abortion on socioeconomic grounds, and numerous other non-biblical positions are all traceable to a different view of Scripture. And from that we hold, and that which we held by the Southern Presbyterian forefathers. Change in the Presbyterian Church in the United States came as a gradual thing, in its ascendancy in the denomination over a long period of time. We confess that it should not have been permitted. Views and practices that undermine and supplant the system of doctrine or polity of a confessional church ought never to be tolerated. A church that will not exercise discipline will not long be able to maintain pure doctrine or godly practice. When the denomination will not exercise discipline and its course have become heterodox or disposed to tolerate error, the minority finds itself in the anomalous position of being submissive to a tolerant and erring majority in order to proclaim the truth and to practice the discipline which they believe obedience to Christ requires, it then becomes necessary for them to separate. This is the exercise of discipline in reverse. It is how we view our separation. Some of our brethren have felt that the present circumstances do not yet call for such a remedy. They remain in the Presbyterian Church in the United States. We trust they will continue to contend for the faith, though our departure makes their position more difficult. We express to them our hope that God will bless their efforts and that there may come a genuine spiritual awakening in the Presbyterian Church in the United States. We trust that our departure may cause those who control and direct the program and policies of the Presbyterian Church in the United States to re-examine their own position in the light of the Word. Our prayer is that God may use this movement to promote spiritual awakening, not only in the new church, but also in that form which we have separated. If, in the providence of God, such were to occur, we would gladly acknowledge that the grounds for separation and division would have to be reassessed. We declare also that we believe the system of doctrine found in God's word to be the system known as the Reformed faith. We are committed without reservation to the Reformed faith as set forth in the Westminster Confession and Catechisms. It is our conviction that the Reformed faith is not sectarian, but an authentic and valid expression of biblical Christianity. We believe it is our duty to seek fellowship and unity with other, with all who profess this faith. We particularly wish to labor with other Christians committed to this theology. We further renew and reaffirm our understanding of the nature and mission of the church. We have declared that Christ is king and only lawgiver in Zion. He has established the church. 
His church is a spiritual reality. As such, it is made up of all the elect from all ages. This spiritual entity is manifested visibly upon the earth. The church visible is found wherever there are those who profess the true faith together with their children. As an assembly of those who do profess this faith, we have established this denomination in the belief that it is a true branch of the Christian church. We believe the church in its visible aspect is still essentially a spiritual organism. As such, its authority, motivation, and power come from Christ the head who is seated at the right hand of God. He has given us his rule book for the church, namely the word of God written. We understand the task of the church to be primarily declarative and ministerial, not legislative or magisterial. It is our duty to set forth what we what he has given us in his word and not to devise our own message or to legislate our own laws. We declare that the ultimate purpose of the church is to glorify God. We believe this includes giving top priority to Christ's great commission. We reaffirm the substance of the position taken by the founding fathers of our former church regarding the mission of the church. And there's a colon. We desire distinctly and deliberately to inscribe on our church's banner, as she now unfurls it to the world, an immediate, in immediate subservience to the authority of our Lord as head and king of the church, his last command. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We regard this as the great end of our organization and obedience to it as the indispensable condition of our Lord's promised presence. It is the one great comprehensive objective, a proper conception of whose grandeur and magnitude is the only thing which, under the constraining love of Christ, can ever sufficiently, sufficiently arouse our energies and develop our resources so as to cause us to carry on with that vigor and efficiency which true loyalty to our Lord demands, those other agencies necessary to our internal growth and prosperity at home. End quote. As a church, we consciously seek to return to the historic Presbyterian view of church government. We reaffirm in the words of that earlier quote addressed to all churches, quote, the following. The only thing that will be at all peculiar to us is the manner in which we shall attempt to discharge our duty. In almost every department of labor except the pastoral care of congregations, it has been usual for the church to resort to societies more or less closely connected with itself, and yet logically and really distinct. It is our purpose to rely upon the regular organs of our government and executive agencies directly and immediately responsible to them. We wish to make the church not merely a superintendent but an agent. We wish to develop the idea that our congregation of believers as visibly organized is the very society or corporation which is divinely called to do the work of the Lord. We shall therefore endeavor to do what has never been adequately done. Bring our, out the energies of our Presbyterian system of government. From the session to the assembly, we shall strive to enlist all our courts as courts in every department of Christian effort. We are not ashamed to confess that we are intensely Presbyterian. 
We embrace all other denominations in the arms of Christian fellowship and love, but our own scheme of government we humbly believe to be according to the pattern shown in the mount, and by God's grace we propose to put its efficiency to the test, end quote. As this new member of the family of churches of the Lord Jesus Christ comes into being, we necessarily profess the biblical doctrine of the unity of all who are in Christ. We know what happens in our in one portion of his church affects all of the body of Christ. We covet the prayers of all Christians that we may witness and serve responsibly. We desire to pursue peace and charity with love toward fellow Christians throughout the world. To the Presbyterian Church in the United States, in particular, we expressed our continued love and concern. You are our spiritual mother. In your arms we were nurtured. Under your ordinance we were baptized. In your courts we were ordained to serve our Lord and King. Into your visible organization we thought we had committed our lives. We sever these ties only with deepest regret and sorrow. We hope that our ongoing, in May way, recall you to the historic witness which we cherish as our common heritage. We greet all believers in an affirmation of the bonds of Christian brotherhood. We invite into ecclesiastical fellowship all who maintain our principles of faith and order. We now commend ourselves to God and the word of his power. We devoutly pray that the church Catholic may be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit and that she may speedily be stirred up to take no rest until the Lord accomplishes his kingdom, making Zion a praise in the whole earth, dated December 7th, 1973. So there you have it, the message to all churches, written 50 years ago, signed by men who are still alive today. We are grateful for them. And I think, I hope you heard in there, there were a lot of quotes from the founding of the PCUS from which we came. In other words, there there is a historic founding and founding principles, and that is that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and that his word is inerrant in the way we govern uh, the church in our lives. As we think to the future and look to the future, may we, as the motto says, be faithful to the scriptures, true to reformed faith, and obedient to the Great Commission. And so I'm still riding or flying high off of that General Assembly. I am encouraged at the state of the PCA and the direction of the PCA. And uh, I love reflecting on our history. If you're listening to this and it's 4th of July week, Darren Stone and I did a whole reflection on the 4th of July on my other podcast, Grace to Stand. You're welcome to go over there if you want to hear that. God bless the USA. We are grateful for this country. We are grateful for the freedoms that we have here. And we pray, Lord, that the the country in large number would turn back uh, to you, Lord. Uh, that's, that's what we pray. But we are grateful. We're grateful for this time and place in history by which you've placed us. Help the PCA to be light and salt in this in this generation, in the land where you've placed us. Thanks for listening. If you listen this far, and I will say I have a great interview for you already recorded and queued up for next week with Ruling Elder Matt Fender. It will be enjoyable. Hopefully you'll tune in then. 